Carter Mansbach of Jupiter Wealth Strategies is securities licensed through Investicorp, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member of FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Investicorp Advisory Services, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided during this show is intended for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual. It is suggested that you consult with your tax, legal, and or financial services professional regarding your individual situation. The views expressed may not necessarily reflect those of Investicorp, Inc. Carter Mansbach is securities licensed through Investicorp, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member, FINRA, and SIPC. This is Word on the Street with Carter Mansbach. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining me. If you're coming for the first time, this is Carter Mansback with Word on the Street. We have a very busy show today. Markets in turmoil. Things are getting crazy. So we need to be aware. We need to be alert. We need to know what's happening. So on the show today, later on, we have special guest Saba Sadehi. Uh, she's a specialist in social media. We'll be talking to her about Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the new mediums that are happening out there in the social space. Uh, we're going to talk about the summer doldrums, and we're going to talk about volatility, and volatility that's right now being caused by China and the price of oil. So let's just get right into it. We have uh, the markets in turmoil. We have had a 1,000-point drop from the top. And while you may not realize it, 45% of all S&P companies' stocks are down 25, uh, 20%. So that means, they, that means that 45% of the S&P 500 is in a bear market right now. And if you think about it that way, if you own more speculative issues, more growth-oriented stocks, they could be down you know, 25 30 40%. So... There's things happening below the surface. While the markets, you know, let's say, I don't know, two, three, four percent from all-time highs, we uh, we're still in turmoil because the Dow's getting crushed, individual stocks getting crushed. Sometimes it doesn't work the way you think it does. Sometimes you have a market that's down, you know, five percent, but most stocks are down a lot more. So the the average. Uh, the, the, what I like to say is that if you get the stock market right, you're usually going to get your. If you get the market right, you'll get your stocks right. Because in a, in a market that's going lower, 85 percent of all stocks are going lower. I don't care if you're the best stock picker on the planet, you will get affected by it without question, and um, you, you will be affected. I mean, you can't hide from it. Some of the best companies on the planet right now are in full on pullback mode. You know, and, and this is the time to go shopping. I mean, you don't want to go shopping when things are at the peak. You want to go shopping when things are on sale, right? I mean, you don't want to buy those Jordans when they're 150. Wait a couple of weeks or a couple of months and pay $89. So what we've had is a thousand point drop in the market. And all week, this is the middle of August, all week we've had crazy volatility. And that volatility has been... Um, you know, 200 points up. So Monday we come in with 250 points up, which was my birthday, by the way. Feel free to send me any birthday cards to at Carter Mansback on Twitter. 
or you can send it to my house. My address is no, I'm just kidding. But uh, what I'm saying is, on my birthday Monday, it was market was up 200 points. Tuesday it was down to 200 points. Wednesday Wednesday we were down huge, and then it's had this huge reversal. This is volatility. That's that is a change in the in the sentiment. So the market's definitely under pressure. However, there's a lot of opportunity. You know, we talk a lot about cybersecurity stocks on this show. And I told you I haven't owned any, owned any in quite a while. So you take a look at FireEye as an example. FireEye had a high of $55 going back to, um, uh, let's call it June of, uh, of this year. 55 bucks. Stock's now 43 That's a major correction, okay? But nothing's changed with FireEye. The company's still growing 56% year over year. Their last quarter went from 94 million to 147 million. So when the stock was hitting new high or recent highs into the 50s, I was getting calls into the show. I got calls from my clients. Should I buy FireEye? Should I buy FireEye? I said, no, because there's no reason to. There's no reason to rush into anything. The market always does this. You know, in 25 years of doing this, I can't tell you a one month period where there wasn't something going on that was possibly terrible, whether it was the Asian contagion in 1991, 92, or uh, wars that, I've, that we've been through during this time, or you know the, the internet bubble, you name it. It's, seriously, there's always something happening out there. So let's talk about what the negativities are and see if they really mean something, okay? So right now, I would say the two main problems that we're having is China and oil. Let's talk about China first. So China is... Um, a mess. And what's going on there is they're trying an evil way to be capitalistic. So what they're doing is they're messing with their currency. And that currency, because basically China is slowing. It's I, I say this on my show, the only stock that I've ever owned in China was Alibaba. Outside of that, I won't touch it because the, the, the country is illegal. They're evil. And um, they're they're controlled by a you know a communistic society that doesn't allow for free markets. So when the markets their market started crashing, they were banning short sellers. I mean, you're banning short sellers, people are not allowed to sell short or not allowed to sell at all. Like they're going to come to your house and take your firstborn if you don't if you sell stock. It's crazy, and it didn't work because their market's down over twenty percent. So now they're messing with their currency. So. One of the important things to, to really look at, and if your know, financial advisors looking at should look at, is your exposure to China. Your stocks, what kind of exposure do they have to China? Because that exposure could really hurt your stocks. You know, Yum Brands is a great example. I had someone recently asking me about Yum Brands. Now, again, I'm a small, a mid-cap guy. I'm not really interested so much in Yum Brands, but Yum Brands has gone from 85 down to, I'm sorry, 95 down to 83. And if you don't know who Yum Brands is, they operate fran- uh, 41,000 fast food franchises, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, KFC, and they've been opening up KFCs and Taco Bells all over China. And just making all the Chinese people fat like us Americans. And they're eating it up. They're loving it. But if they have 45% of their business in China, China's slowing down and there's issues there, Yum Brands is going to be majorly affected. That being said, with these stocks selling off the way they have, a Yum Brands going from 95 to 83 in a month and a half or even 80, it went as low as, uh, hold on, it went as low as 79 I mean, that's a 20% sell-off in a humongous company. I mean, listen, Taco Bell, KFC, Pizza Hut, they're not going anywhere. So while this whole thing is happening, we're having all these sell-offs in stocks, 
this is the time to go shopping. So people ask me about Apple all the time. Now, I tell people my job is not to find Apple. My, my, my job is not to buy you Apple. You didn't hire me for that. You hired me to find what's coming. And again, I like to say there's probably not going to be another Apple in our lifetime. Maybe Facebook could be. But my point is, is that with Apple, everybody always wants to own it. Stock goes, has gone from 132 down to 113. That's a big 16, 17, 18% drop. And here's your chance. I'm not saying I'm buying it because I'm not buying Apple. But what I'm saying is everyone's like, oh, I, w I wish I owned Apple. I wish I owned Apple. And then as soon as it goes down, you know what they say? It's 115. I'm going to wait until it goes to 95. Then I'll buy it. And then it ends up 130 again. They're like, should I buy it here? This is the point. What you do is when the market goes in turmoil like this, you make a shopping list. You take, you take a pen, you write down the stocks that you love, and you write down where you want to own them, what prices you want to own them. And when the stocks get hit, then you have an opportunity to jump all over them and, and you know, make some money. So you, know, you look for these opportunities. You look for the sell-offs. They're always there. So I want to talk about the summer doldrums. Being from New York and working on Wall Street or in the New York area for 10 years, I know what's going on right now. It's, we're getting towards the end of the summer. We have on Thursday night-ish, the, all the Wall Street big shots hop in their, their Ferraris and their Lamborghinis, and they head, into, um, they head out to the Hamptons. So Thursday, Friday's usually somewhat dull. The volume gets light, and the volatility picks up because there's not as many people in the game. So that's a bit of an issue, okay? Uh, number two, we have to deal with China. So every night, like last night, I was up super late watching the Chinese market. The, the Chinese market, they're continuing to mess with the currency, and it's messing with our markets without question. So, you know, that's in, that's in the background. Do I think it's the end of the world? No, because I think when all the dust settles, what everyone's going to start to discuss is what's the best country to invest in? America. Always back to America. Europe's still a mess, trying to figure their way out. We're growing. Asia's a mess. China, uh, China's an absolute disaster. So we, we need to, you know, what's going to happen? Everyone's going to finally say, oh, they're going to say on CNBC, they say the cleanest shirt in a dirty laundry bag or the, um, the nicest house in a bad neighborhood. I'm going to come up with my own. I haven't yet, but I'll figure one out because I'm tired of saying that same crap. So we have these, you know, this, this, this exposure to China hanging over us. And then the other thing is oil. And oil is very confusing because now oil has officially crashed. It has gone from 105 to f to the low 40s. We haven't seen $40 a share of oil in six years. And just not to freak everyone out, but the last time we saw oil at 40 bucks, the market was crashing. So why isn't it crashing today versus crashing then? The, uh, the, the reason is, is that a lot of the down move in oil had to do with us drilling here versus historically we weren't drilling as much as we were. And what's happening with oil right now is that it's, it's, it's an emotional, temperamental commodity. And when it's hot, it's hot. When it went from, uh, I saw it go from 75 to 105 in 07, and then 08, 09, it went from one, one, um, to 150, and went from 150 to $32. So now we're in that downward trend. And oil, historically, like the last 
hundred years when oil sucked, the market sucked. It went hand in hand. Right now, we're not having that synergy because we're looking at oil as um, you know over. There's an overglut because all the drilling that's going on in the states, and um, also because the the foreign countries that are drilling for oil are picking up production because they want to um, you know they they want to force us. They want to force us out. You know, they want to force us to, you know, lose money on our production. So we have this downfall in oil. So it's it's scary because it is oil going lower because of the the glut of oil that's in there, or is oil going lower because the world is slowing and we're heading towards a recession? Because again, if you if if I didn't know what was going on with the oil production in America and I just woke up and saw oil at forty two, I would tell you the Dow Jones Industrial Average is at nine thousand not where it is right now. So it's it's scary. And in the background, people are concerned. People are worried about it. So what do we do? What do we do? So we look at our stocks first. We, we, let, we look to see if we have exposure to Asia or China, I should say. We look to see if we have commodity stocks, oil-related stocks. Okay. So what am, what am I doing? First of all, I'm in the smaller mid-cap arena for the most part. And most of my companies have little to no exposure to China. That doesn't mean they're not going lower. It means that they're not losing business. So when they come out with earnings down the road, it's not like they're getting killed. They're actually uh, not have no exposure to Asia whatsoever. And I have two. I have two companies that I'm involved with because oil is getting crushed. One of them is Delta Airlines because obviously the airlines, with oil being as cheap as it is. They're they're killing it. They're not lowering prices. I, I fly to New York. It's four hundred dollars. It used to be eighty, seventy nine, eighty dollars, eighty nine dollars each way. So they're printing money. The the uh, the the um, airline industry. So I'm playing oil the opposite way, and I'm buying airlines. It's just logical. It makes sense. I don't think that people ask me about wind and solar, and I think that. I wouldn't be involved with them because wind and solar, look, down the road, will we use a lot more wind and solar? Sure. But with oil prices being at $42, who wants to go out and, as an example, buy a Tesla? when I, could, I just filled up my car for $39, the cheapest I filled up in like 10 years, seven years, whatever. So solar and there's some solar companies that are amazing. It's just not where I want to be right now. I don't think that's the place to be. But I'm playing Delta because the stock is really benefiting from lower oil prices. The other company I'm involved with, which is a small cap issue, it's risky by nature, is GoGo. And the reason I'm involved with GoGo is because the airline industry being flush with cash, they want you to walk on the plane and have the same experience as if you're walking in your home. You have TV, you have food, and you have internet. And they're spending a fortune not just Delta, but the entire airline industry is battling each other. Who could be better? JetBlue has it for free. You know, D- Delta has internet and they have Delta Studio, which gives you free television and free movies. Everybody wants to have internet on the plane. And the issue with internet on the plane right now is that it has to get faster. And GoGo has the next wave technology, which is called TK, the 2KU, which is internet off of satellites. Historically, for the last 15 years, while we've had internet on the plane, it's been very slow 
because it's going from air to ground. When you fly over water, it doesn't it doesn't work very well. If there are too many people on the plane using it, it doesn't work very well. You can't get Netflix because you can't get streaming video because when when this was invented to begin with, there was no Netflix. When they when when GoGo and these guys started out building these cell ta- these towers and and putting internet on the plane, they didn't foresee what what happened to the internet. That everyone and their mothers been watching Netflix like my kids do all day, right? So all of a sudden. You wake up and, and everything's moving faster and there's so much more information on there. So Delta, so GoGo has made a change to satellite over the internet, satellite on the plane. So the satellite shooting down from the plane and it, and it works 10, 15, 20 times faster. And they're just starting to outfit these planes. And what it is, it's a, it's a, it's a fight to the finish. All of the airlines, Delta, I, I really believe was the, 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 the fastest one to adopt. And now everyone's fighting with each other to get into that on the plane. And uh, I think it's I think it's a great opportunity. GoGo's earnings came out last quarter. They grew twenty one percent. They are losing money, but they have a boatload of cash. They have three hundred fifty million dollars in cash. And uh, I think I think that you could benefit from oil prices being cheaper. The air, buying the airlines, buying companies like GoGo, where the airlines were investing all this money into this. And I think there's opportunities. So just because the market sucks and you know things are rough and oil's going lower, how do we benefit from it? I'm not ready to tell people to buy oil at all. I tell people if they want to buy oil, buy Exxon. You know, one of the largest companies in the world who sure is is not going anywhere. They'll be around forever. So as these stocks come in, maybe there's opportunity. Maybe you're an older person and you're looking for um, and you're looking for income. Exxon will give you a two two and a half percent dividend. That stock has gone from uh, let's say ninety three dollars down to seventy eight. I could see us looking back in two years with Exxon at a hundred and be like, wow, you know, well, what what did we do? Meanwhile, Exxon's revenues last quarter were down thirty three percent. I don't think anyone has said that. I mean, that's amazing. And their net income was down 51%. So they're suffering. There's no question. And I could see oil being down here for quite a while. I mean, listen, oil could go from 40 to 60 in a minute because we could have a, a war. We could have uh, all kinds of explosions because eventually this is going to lead to civil unrest because these countries that depend on oil, like Russia, like Saudi Arabia, they're going to have major trouble because they can't eat. If oil c- continues down lower, you know the, the the drillers in our country are definitely hurting. You could see that see that in their stock prices. So make sure you don't have exposure to China. Make sure you don't have exposure to um, to oil, because oil's very well could go to thirty. I mean, I don't know. I'm not looking to call a bottom. I I there's a lot of negativity out there. But again, if you're looking to buy oil, you could go two ways. You could buy an Exxon straight away, just buy the stock at seventy eight, or every month buy a little bit of it. Until you have a full position, and then you're good. So listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, we have Saba. I don't want to mess up her last name, uh, so I'll say it. I'll, I'll do the best I can after the break. We'll have Saba. We'll be talking about social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Periscope. And we'll be back after these words. Welcome back to Word on the Street with Carter Mansback. I am out here for you. You don't know what it's like to be me out here for you. It is an up at dawn, pride swallowing siege that I will never fully tell you about, okay? Help me. Help me help you. 
Help me. Help you. Help me. Help you. Alright, we're back. So before the break, I think I was kind of depressing talking about all the negative things that are going on about oil and China. So I think I want to be a little more positive. So I think that one of the big issues that we all have when we invest in the market, we only think about ourselves and what's around us and our general surroundings and what's happening right now, not in two years, three years, four years from now. Like when I was buying Under Armour in 02, I, uh, I was looking at what, what was coming for that company, the potential for it to become a Nike, to become a world power in, in, in sport. And I, yeah, I guess a world power in sports. So when I'm talking about social media to Americans, the first thing that they, they say, well, I'm on Facebook and I love Facebook and I'm on Facebook too. And I use it all the time. Uh, some people are on Twitter. Uh, some people are not. Some people are on, you know, Pinterest. I saw my wife spending some time on Pinterest, and I think it's going to cost me a lot of money because I never saw it before. And all of a sudden, I see her clicking on lipstick and eyeshadow. I'm like, oh boy, Pinterest is going to break me. Had a feeling. So, what I'm saying is, when you look at the social media uh, market, okay, you what you're dealing with. You're looking at only what you see. And what a lot of people don't realize is Facebook, only 28% of all is Facebook people that are on there, that's Americans. The rest of it is around the world. So I think there's something like 100 million people on Facebook uh, in America out of 300 plus million people. And understand there's babies that are not on Facebook. There's grandmas that are not on Facebook. There's people in poverty that do not have, that do not have uh, access to, to the internet. And just to bring up two-thirds of the internet, two-thirds of the world does not have the internet. And I don't think people understand that. So when we look at Facebook and we look at the power of Twitter and what it's doing and what Facebook's doing and LinkedIn is doing, it's bringing the world together all on social media. But it's not just about here. Because I, you know, I traveled to Europe. I saw Twitter signs. I saw that little blue bird everywhere I went, which was incredible. So I'm going to bring on a very special guest. I'm going to really do try my best to say her last name right. Her name is Saba Sadihi. Good afternoon, Saba. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for coming on. So I was, go- I, I was going, I, I don't know if you were listening to my show, but I'm talking about social media. And what I was saying was I was talking about the fact that we all look at things through our view. We look at our uh, our small life where we where we live in Manhattan or in Florida or California, whether we have children or we don't have children, and our experience with these social medias when you, people don't really look at the entire gamut of the world. So first, l- introduce yourself. Tell, tell my listeners a little bit about what you do, and then we'll talk a little yeah. bit about social media, please. Totally. Okay, so um, my name is Saba Sadili. You did a really good job with my last name. Thank you. Um, I am a co-founder of a company called iStream Social. Yes. And so our mission is really to expand everyone's world with social media. 
And really the core of what we do is around Midstream, which I'm sure if many of you are keeping up with the news, that goes hand in hand with Periscope, Meerkat, and recently Blab actually, which has um, really given Google Hangouts a run for their money. And so I'm really interested in the social media and tech space. And so I think this conversation is very appropriate. Now, have you written some articles? Yes. So I wrote um, one of the handbooks for Periscope about a month after the platform uh, came out. What do you so mean, what do you mean by Peris- that? What do you mean you wrote a handbook for Periscope? So um, the day that Periscope came out, I wrote an article that said, if you're not plugged in, you're late to the party. And so the thesis was around the fact that um, everything is going into real time. That is what social media is sort of going into. And so I did about a month of listening. I used the platform. I used both Periscope and Meerkat. And I decided to write a handbook about how to use Periscope, how to build your audience, um, all of the little details that go into kind of setting it up and making sure that your profile is optimized for people to follow you and for you to gain credibility. Right. And, and let me so just... about four pages. Let me just interrupt that and say that for the people who are listening that don't know what Periscope is, because yesterday on Facebook, I did a little survey, and and so my age group is in the mid-40s, and I would say right. 90% of people did not know what it was except for me saying something about it. So uh, just to, un- to, to give a little background, Periscope was bought by Twitter in, in January, uh, they paid somewhere between ninety and a hundred million dollars. And what it is, I'm going to explain yeah. my way, and you can help me. It's you know, it's a live video stream to the world. I mean, right now I'm on Periscope while I'm doing my radio show, and people are watching. I don't even know half of them around the world. So um, when when you wrote that handbook, it wasn't even where it was because we just got news that Periscope is at ten million users. And I, it's funny because I had asked the question on the Periscope to Kayvon, the guy who invented it, are you guys the fastest to 10 million? And he said he didn't know, but it turns out they are by far the fastest to 10 million users. Are you aware of that? Yes. So, yeah. So they announced yesterday that they have 10 million users and they have 2 million daily active users. And there's been about 40 years of live streams that have occurred in the past six months since its launch which is really crazy in terms of usage, if you think about it. Right. And, uh, you know, when you said, are you familiar with Uvu? Uvu, yes, I am. So isn't Uvu the same as Blab? Because I've only seen Blab work once. Yeah, so um, Uvu I've seen utilized more with people that you're trying to communicate with internationally. I think Blab is more, um, I think it's more tech-friendly. I think everyone who's in social media kind of understands the way that they have built it is really catered towards having a live hangout. So there's comments on the side. Um, you can see who's engaged, and the interface is really nice. Um, you can create a social following. I think the way that they've built it is very well executed. And since they're keeping everything very public, there's no private feature yet. Right. Um, it's really, it, it's really allowed everyone to share their ideas and share their thoughts, which is really what live stream is about. For right. nothing to be private. And it seems it seems that it's it, everything's moving so fast right now with video because you know uh, there's rumor. I guess they confirmed it that Facebook is coming out with some type of product for their verified users. You have Meerkat, which I haven't hopped on Meerkat yet because I'm I think. Periscope is incredible, and it and I like that it's connected to Twitter. You know, so do you think that in in your mind is is this 
whole live streaming thing the next big thing or is it something you think will you know phase out what's your feeling on it over the next you know six months to a couple of years i don't i don't think it's a phase i think that um social media is only maturing and i think it's only the beginning it only makes sense for everything to go towards live streaming i'm really excited to see um how periscope is going to evolve in the next year i think it's done a lot in the past six months one thing that really excites me about Meerkat is the fact that because they are independent and they have a lot of uh, very influential investors, such as Gary Vaynerchuk, they are innovating very, very quickly. They were able to partner up with GoPro and create the Cameo feature, which opens up a whole new door of adventures that people can basically tap into. Was, was, um, the, was, the, also, was the GoPro deal exclusive? Like, you, you, like if, if, there, if you have the ability to stream... Why would it only be through Meerkat, and why not would it be through Periscope as well? I'm not sure about the details of the agreement, but from what I understand, they are currently GoPro devices are going to be supporting Meerkat. And so you can tap into those devices through Meerkat, and then there's also a Cameo feature. And so I think in terms of innovation, they've taken a really interesting route, and I don't think by any means they are out of the picture. I know in the beginning... When um, in March and April, the whole conversation was Meerkat versus Periscope. And I think that if anyone is really immersed into social media and tech and they understand where things are going, it's not about who is better. It's just about which platform do you use to reach your audience. That's really what it comes down to. Right. Yeah. So so I can't imagine that Meerkat's going to be um, independent very long. You know, we agree. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I was very surprised how quickly Facebook was um, executed Facebook Live. So even though currently it's only for celebrities, and they actually, I think yesterday, the day before, announced that they're going to be opening it up to verified profiles, I don't see why it would acquire. I, I don't know which company would want to acquire Meerkat. I think Facebook has enough bandwidth to do it themselves. Right. Twitter has Periscope. I don't think Yahoo is even credible enough or has enough innovation or spice to like take on someone like Meerkat. Um, and so I think if they stayed independent, it would actually be to their benefit to not be under an umbrella. Um, All right, so let, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Twitter because a lot of my listeners, <laughs> a lot of my listeners uh, know me for Twitter. Uh, yes, a yes. lot, of, a lot of people on Twitter know me for Twitter and my rants yes. that I've done, and I am absolutely an investor in Twitter. I do, uh, I do believe in the company long term. What do you see? Tell me what you see from Twitter. What, we could bring Periscope in the picture and all the other parts of it, but what's what's your vibe on on what's going on with Twitter? Well, I have a very interesting angle. This is actually maybe a fact you don't even know about me, but I started using Twitter. I was always very bullish on social media, but Twitter was something I never understood until I got on it in February of this year, which is insane. So kind of weird timing. Right before Periscope came out, I didn't know Periscope was coming out, but it was just this perfect storm. And before February of this year, I had no idea what the value of Twitter was. Right. And after two months, of using it, I was convinced that it was the number one platform for connecting, for networking, for basically keeping your eye on the pulse, for being plugged into the world. And so based on that, I think that Twitter's potential is maybe even more than Facebook sometimes. 
I just think they have a lot of problems that they haven't figured out. And they, just like Chris Baca always says, they don't know how to tell their story. They don't know how to tell users how to use their platform. They don't know how to tell their users how they can use Periscope and Twitter cohesively. And that's an article I actually wrote about, about how powerful Twitter, Twitter and Periscope can be together. It's really a force to be reckoned with. Right, and so, I, th- I think Vine is under undervalued as well because Vine, you know, I, I see Vine so much. Uh, there was something in the department store in Manhattan in Bloomingdale's, I think it was, where they had vines all over the place. You know, and I see Vine throughout. The only thing with Vine is I'm not sure how to monetize it, but it being part of a bundle. You know, they talk about what's coming with Twitter with Project Lightning, them it being part of a bundle of curation of events with with the the unique properties of Twitter, Periscope, and Vine. I see, I agree with you on that. I think that, you know, that's a powerful thing. And you know what, listen, you you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, it's, it does, you know, we don't know if it fell or not. And that's the problem with Twitter. I don't think right. that they have figured out a way to communicate to Wall Street exactly what the company is and where they're going. I'm not sure they even know because if you watch videos of Jack Dorsey from the beginning, he was all about like taxi cabs and, and data analytics of, of, of people, where they go, how they go, and he didn't expect this to happen. So I think that they're still discovering. I, you know, I, you, you'd, like, you'd enjoy this because from my perspective, a stock like Twitter, it's like a 16-year-old boy who's got nothing, or girl, who has nothing but potential, and they're doing great in school, and then one day they steal the keys to the car, or they get a D, and they're just confused. They don't know if they want to be a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever. I think they're still confused. During in this confusion, they have three hundred million of the most powerful people in the world, including you and I, uh, on the site. And right. and one of the things you know, I was thinking about it today. There's so much um, there's so much negativity around Twitter and management, but they've made incredible acquisitions. Vine was solid. Fabric is solid. Telpart is solid. Zipdial is solid. And Periscope. And I, and I think that a lot of people give them so much grief and they don't give them credit for some of the amazing things that they've done. So I was talking earlier about around the world, okay? What do you see for Twitter and and Facebook, for that matter, in the way of social media? And how is social media different in Europe and different in Asia and different in Africa, as far as you know? I think um, we forget that we live in a fairly stable country where things are mostly a discussion and we don't feel like we can really have a very big impact. But everyone knows that during a lot of revolutions that have happened over the years, for example, when there was the uprising in Syria, right? Right. Um, Social media was a very, very strong vehicle of driving their message. Uh, In 2009, when the Green Movement happened in Iran, you know, a lot of people leveraged Twitter. And so I think that power of a trending hashtag, how many eyes can you get your message in front of, that is very powerful for other countries, countries in Europe, countries in South America, in Asia. And so I think we forget politically how powerful social media, especially something like Twitter can be. Um, We see it domestically as well as internationally in terms of world events. Right, and you know, I said, uh, I said, I said last week, oh, actually, I said it on my, I think on Periscope, that if we had Twitter in the 1940s, uh, Hitler wouldn't have lasted a month. 
And that is a powerful right. thing. You know, I, I say that, you know, there was a there was a video I saw about six months ago that talked about the power of Twitter and what it's done for communities. It's, you know, people in Tajikistan that were getting t- attacked or people being thrown out of a country. You know, everything's documented. And that's one of the things that I really like about Periscope. Someone said it perfectly yesterday. This is video that you cannot edit. If you, that eventually, there's going to be more and more things captured on this that that you know like and I, I used to say we are all reporters and we are all we all can be at any moment famous or infamous and i was saying that just with the camera now with video in the moment the, at any moment you could become you know an instant hit like the kid who uh asked michael jordan what are those in res- in response to his the sneakers he was wearing and all of a sudden he's an instant hit because of vine and the whole world knows him or actual live video of a of a policeman beating someone up in the moment live no way it could be edited out no way it could be changed and i think that you know this whole live streaming i think you're right and i'll tell you for a person that's as young as you are and what i've what you're what the path that you're on with your website i think you're on the right path and i think you're in in the top of the ninth early innings so tell us again the name of your website it's iStreamSocial.com, so okay. I and then StreamSocial.com. Um, we are planning a live stream summit to bring together some of um, the most influential thought leaders in digital media and digital marketing to really talk about currently what's happening, not just for um, you know small companies or how it relates to social media, but how brands can really build their name on these platforms and how the reach, just like you said, imagine if you know, someone like Chris Saka or it's Kayvon, um, the creator of Periscope, he just shared your broadcast. Imagine the power that you have just been given that maybe, you know, even two, three, even five years ago would have never been possible with social media. Let me tell you something. I Just in the last month, the things that have happened to me from Periscope, from people interested in doing business to me with me because they've seen they see my passion in my face in my voice, uh, to to communicating with CEOs and CFOs of companies through this medium, it's incredible. And I agree. And I, I like I said, I think you're on the right thing. I just want to say one thing about your website, just so everyone knows. I try to put in iStreamSocial.com. You got to put in www.iStreamSocial.com. Yeah. It's funny because I have that issue with my website as well, and I don't know what that's about. But if you're if you're looking to find Saba, she's a young, hungry girl who's absolutely on a path of something that's really early. I think you're going to make millions in what you're doing. And I would love to come Thank to you. your I'd love to come to your summit. I think that would be great because I'm excited about yes. what's happening in the sector as well. So again, it's Saba, she uh, from iStream Social. If you want to find her on Twitter, my handle is just my full name. You say it. And we can actually it's um, S A B A S-E-D-I-G-H-I. Yes. Okay. And what, could, yes. Do you, have, you want to give out an email address or something like that? Yeah. My email address, if anyone wants to contact me, is Saba, S-A-B-A, at iStreamSocial.com. And so if anyone has any questions about social media, social marketing, uh, branding, using live streaming, please feel free to contact me. I'd love to chat with you. All right, absolutely. So, you know, I, I say the people that I bring on my show, I need them to be a value added. Someone who comes on Thank and brings you. something to the table that, you know, 
just any financial dude or whatever comes on that doesn't. <laughs> and you, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show, and we, you will definitely be a guest on my show in the future. Thanks again, Saba. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great night. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take one quick break, and when we get back, we will close out the show. Welcome back to Word on the Street with Carter Mansback. Opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment. Did you capture? Just let it slip. Yo. Alright, we're back. That was a great guest. She was comfortable, she was confident, she knew what she was talking about. And when you have when you have the ability to just have a conversation with someone on the radio and it's not a struggle, it's always a good thing. So we're winding down. These shows go so fast. It's just amazing to me. So I, I think that I want to, again, because we have a big Twitter following on the show, I just, the one thing that I point to with Twitter is revenues and income growth. But revenue growth of 61%, every company, every person in the world would love to have the problem of 61% revenue growth. So, you know, the company has issues at management. I'm assuming it's going to work out over the short term, meaning the next 30 to 60 days. And after that, they have to perform. If this company could continue on this growth path and they could figure out a way to get more users engaged, we should be in okay shape. So be patient and know your risk tolerance. If you know, listen, if you're, if you're, if you can't deal or you have a, you know, you need to, this money for a bar mitzvah in three months, you better sell that stock. Or if you need to pay for a wedding or something, or you're 80 years old, you better sell this stock. But if you have the time frame, and you have the risk tolerance and you can handle what you can handle, do it. Listen, I spoke to people who are. I spoke to people who you know own this stock on margin, and I'll just talk to you about margin for a moment with all stocks. So there's an old expression on Wall Street, and I've never said this on the radio, and I've never said it on my Periscope, and it's the expression is, the market can stay irrational longer than you could stay solvent. So what, I'm, what I've heard from people is that they bought stock on margin, and margin means you're borrowing money to buy stock. You don't borrow money to buy stock. You borrow money to buy a house. You never borrow money to buy a stock because when the stock that stock goes lower, you get ripped apart. So back to the expression, the market could stay irrational longer than you could stay solvent. Is it rational that Twitter has a, a market cap now almost the same as Snapchat that doesn't even have any earnings or as much as WhatsApp that doesn't have any earnings when this company is growing 61% and is going to do $2.2 billion in business? No, it's irrational. Maybe. I mean, the stock could easily go lower, but 
It could stay irrational longer than you could stay solvent. So know your risk parameters. Know what you're willing to lose. You know, if you're willing to wait it out and be involved with whether it's Twitter or GoGo or any small cap company, mid cap, even large cap company. You know, I've seen stocks like Caterpillar go from 130 to 30 back to 130. You know, that happens. These companies have, you know, things, things, it's all about sentiment. And it's not just about sentiment in the stock market. It's about sentiment in your life. You know, you go through these times where everything's going right. You, 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 you step off the, off the curb and, you know, there's the most beautiful woman you ever saw in your life and she smiles at you as soon as you walk out the door. You got a, a pop in your step. You get to work. You get, you get a, a letter from your boss saying you're doing an amazing job. You're getting a raise. You're in the flow. The sentiment's good. Things are happy. Things are positive. Then there's times when things suck. Someone passes away. Something terrible happens. You lose your job, whatever. It's no different in the stock market. 100% there are, there are times where things are good and things are bad. And, you know, when you look at a company like Twitter, this stock has seen all of it many times already since the beginning. Stock comes public. It goes from, uh, I don't know, I think it came public at 26 to 73, down to 30, up to 50, down to 35, up to 50. Now it's in the high 20s. So what is Twitter? How has Twitter changed since it came public? They were doing 700 million in business and now doing two, they'll do 2.2 billion. So you know, again, it's sentiment. Right now, the sentiment is not only negative on Twitter; it's negative on a lot of companies. It's negative on oil. You know, oil went to thirty. Oil went to thirty dollars, thirty-two dollars in '07. It, it proceeded to go to a hundred and five, two and a half years of three and a half, four years later. So at that time, when everyone was killing themselves on oil, somebody stepped in and had the guts and the balls to buy more and buy it, and may, ended up tripling their money. On oil, so you know, like like uh, Warren Buffett said, you you you're fearful when others are greedy, and you're greedy when others are fearful. And you know, my expression, which I say over and over again, when you have the price, you don't have the you, when you have the price, you don't have the proof, and when you have the proof, you don't have the price. So right now, Twitter has gone from seventy three or fifty three down to you know twenty nine dollars. Everyone's fearful. Everyone's scared because they had a, I don't know, they had a good quarter, but the earnings show was was rough. Uh, the earnings call was rough, but there's opportunity. Or you have Facebook that you have the proof. You know the company's doing well. You know the company's growing. You know they have 1.2 billion people, and they have Instagram, and they have Oculus, and they have WhatsApp. But the stock has gone from 17 to $95, so you no longer have the price to buy the stock. So deal with your emotions because know the companies go through good times and bad times, just like we do in our lives every single day. Good times, bad times. And I always say you, get, you don't get too high when things are good. You don't get too low when things are bad. And that's what you have to do with the stock market as well. Because if you become emotional about this, you'll never make money in the market. Or you'll make money and you'll die of a heart attack. So that being said, let's close out the show like this, okay? It's a volatile time. It's a time to be on your game. It's your time to be involved with your portfolio. Make sure you know your time horizon, your risk tolerance. Look for bargains. Look for companies that you love and, and, and see them on sale and buy them when you have the opportunity if you believe in them. Because right now, the market's coming apart a bit. It's not crashing by any means, but it feels like it's in correction. And it's time for you you know, it's time to go shopping. You know, make a list, find companies that you love and buy them. Because when you, you love them at 60 and now they're at 30, and if the companies really haven't changed and nothing's changed fundamentally, 
they're on sale because the emotion right now is negative on cer- those certain companies. And sometimes when the emotion is so high on a company like Twitter at 73 and $50 twice, that's sometimes the time to sell. So if you have trouble doing this on your own, that's why I'm here. That's one of the reasons I have my show, besides to make my family proud, but also to... Uh, to give advice. If you guys need to reach me, my number at my office is 561-406-2681. I can be reached on Twitter at Carter Mansback. Uh, you could find me. If you Google Carter Mansback, you will find me, and I'm here to help you any way I can. So have a good night. Hope you're having a good weekend, and uh, I'll speak to you next time. In the meantime, you work hard for your money. Make sure your money works hard for you. Have a great night.